Hi everyone, welcome back. This is Max, and this is episode two of my new podcast, Everything I Learned in Theater School. Um, great. Welcome. If you're returning, or if this is your first time tuning in, fantastic. Lovely that you're here. Um, I want to first start off, just so I don't forget, by saying uh, that I've created an email address for this podcast. It is theaterschoolpod at gmail.com, and that's theater, T-H-E-A-T-E-R, school, pod, at gmail.com. Um, and the reason I bring this up is that I'm sort of teaching one way, or I'm offering my experience one way right now, but uh, I, I want to open this up for questions about theater, about learning about theater, about training, about acting, about design, production, whatever, whatever questions you have um, about this process, about learning about this, about my experience, I want to answer that if I can. Um, so do, you know, shoot me an email, uh, even if it's like, oh, I, I heard this one time about theater. Is that true? Um, or, you know, can you tell me more about this thing that I've recently been learning about? Um, then yeah, I, by all means, send me those questions. And if I have the time and space, I will absolutely, you know, share that on the podcast. Um, uh, because even, even if you're already learning from somebody else about something, getting, uh, another person's perspective is, you know, often, uh, a useful idea, um, you know, there are so many, so many schools of thought about, you know, acting by itself, but then then even, you know, every other discipline within theater has multiple schools of thought, um, and none of them is explicitly right or wrong or better or worse, um, but they're all just different. Um, and luckily, there are you know, so many different theater goers, people who want to experience theater, who all have varying tastes. Um, and so there is, you know, a market, I would say, for pretty much every school of thought. And, you know, the, the work that can be produced based on those schools of thought um, has has some sort of audience. So that's great. And yeah, um if you want a second opinion, if you want a first opinion, whatever, shoot me an email at theaterschoolpod at gmail.com um, and I will I will get back to you on a future episode if I can. Um, okay, cool. So I want to jump in by sharing that uh, a friend recently asked, you know, after listening to the first episode, so what's your plan for the podcast? Um, do you, do you sort of have the episodes mapped out or, you know, what's the deal? Uh, and my response was basically, no, I don't know what the plan is. I, I don't really have one. Um, the closest thing that I have had to a plan, um, is, you know, my idea was to sort of, um, take you through my theater school experience, uh, somewhat chronologically, um, but, you know, always leaving room for deviation from that chronology um, and definitely probably going to wind up going on some tangents along the way. Um, so, yeah, that's just sort of the rough skeleton is is the, the timeline uh, and, and what happened um, chronologically while I was in theater school. Um, but I will yeah, constantly be deviating from that. Um, and I, and I, you know, I do that because I think that something is useful to say or to share or for you to hear possibly. Um, but I will, I will more than likely come back to, you know, the, the moment that I left off from. Um, and if I ever jump ahead and I don't come back and you want to know what was in between, please, Send me an email. Let me know about it. Um, okay, great. So uh, with that in mind, um, you know, the last, last time I was, I was here talking at you, um, 
I shared the experience that I had when I first got to undergrad, to theater school, um, and I was in acting one. Um, and on my very first day, I learned that incredibly valuable lesson, uh, which was that I knew nothing about acting. Um, I, I thought I knew quite a bit about acting, um, but my idea of what acting was was sort of shattered when I realized all that acting could be. Um, or, or better to say, when I realized that acting could be so much and I had no idea yet uh, even what it was. Um, so, yeah, so, so sort of moving along from there, um, yeah, that... That class was amazing, um, and I, if I'm remembering right, our first assignment, uh, as is so often the case, was to do a monologue. Uh, granted, in between that, you know, we did, oh, actually, you know what, um, no, I think it was to tell a personal story. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what it was, and, and that is so often the case, so, you know, which, which, is understandable, right? Um, why would why would a teacher set you up with a piece of text that somebody else wrote, and assuming that you know nothing about acting, which I realized they did, um, you know, why give you somebody else's words to speak and try and make sense of and try and you know convince an audience is true? Um, before you even tell your own story and tell your own truth. Um, and so, yeah, I I have no idea what story I told, but but yeah, the, the prompt was basically to... Um, was to <laughs> sort of remember an event, uh, a moment in our lives when something happened and sort of um sort of tell that story to the class and i don't know if this was made explicit but to do it as simply as possible um what i do remember though is that some verbiage in the instructions it was something like with as few words as possible and I remember very clearly, I think the first classmate who got up to go had taken that to mean sort of acted out physically without words. And I felt so lucky that this student uh, thought that because I'm pretty sure I thought the same thing. And that had sort of been my plan and what I had worked on and prepared and then they got up and did their thing and got instant feedback pretty much that, oh, no, you're, you're actually meant to use words. I just wanted you to keep it simple was sort of the, the instruction. Um, and then, you know, it was understandable, that, that error, and, and so they were given another sort of go at it. And, and then later, when it was my turn, I had to sort of... Um, you know, make my own changes and and use words uh, and come up with words on the spot that I hadn't prepared. Um, but it, you know, it, it didn't feel life-changing at the time. And, um, you know, I, uh, that could be for any number of reasons. I was more than likely not, you know, not fully um, committed to telling that story, whatever it was. And, you know, definitely, definitely not present with the story. What I was present with was, oh, shoot, I need to uh, figure out how to tell this story in a simple way with words, which I've never done before. You know, that's that's sort of where my mind was. Um, and so there, were, there was no way that I was dishing out anything 
genuine or or authentic um you know when, when i was sort of in that that um that zone um but anyway that's yeah that that's sort of what the the first assignment was and and then from there um we kind of moved along uh to moved along to monologues uh, that had been written by a playwright um all right so so one thing i want to say well no 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 i'll just say I was assigned to do Jim from The Glass Menagerie. Um, it's very funny to me in retrospect. It's not, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and it was, I think, I think a pretty good choice for me in terms of it being like a solid kick in the pants um, because it, it was incredibly hard. And even though... I learned that first day that I didn't know anything. I think I still had some... That didn't totally humble me. I definitely still was carrying around some arrogance about, you know, some perceived skill or ability to learn skills or or something that that I thought that I had, um, which surely came from you know, the the stuff that I had done in high school that people responded to positively because, like, who's going to respond negatively to a kid in high school just doing his art and, you know, um, and, you know, being passionate? <laughs> um, jerks, that's who. But anyway, um, yeah, so I had this sort of false sense of how good at acting I was and and I carried on and and luckily you know our teacher was very honest with us and um you know would would give pretty solid notes and so I yeah I I worked on that monologue for a long time um and yeah that was the first time I'd ever thought deeply about who my character was. Um, I, I remember in high school, at some point in a rehearsal process, we we were given a sheet with a you know list of questions, um, and basically we we would answer those questions in a very simple and shallow kind of way. Um, and once we had done that, then that that was pretty much it. That was good. And and so, you know, we had some very basic cursory understanding of who our character was. Um, but we never thought deeply about it. We never thought about, you know, well, okay, I shouldn't, I should stop saying we. I never thought deeply about who my character was and, um, you know, what what they were doing in their lives when my character was off stage, you know that kind of thing um that sort of through line of action um, yeah uh, but I was as I did this work, I was starting to fill in those gaps, right so I was starting to to think more deeply about character and appreciate why that is important um you know i i listened to a, a podcast recently where the hosts um interviewed uh, an actor uh, and that actor had recently uh, written a book of short stories um and they asked him oh, how did you come to be a writer you know what prompted you to write short stories and um and the actor said well you know i I love writing because um as an actor i i'm constantly sort of writing about about myself as a character and um sort of filling out the details of my life and that's one of my favorite parts of the job of acting um is you know is writing and i write to figure out who i am as a character 
And it was amazing to me in, you know, from my perspective that the host who had, you know, been involved in, in TV and had been a performer uh, of, you know, different sorts, didn't realize that that was a thing that actors often do. Um, so th- I thought that that was, you know, really amazing because I, from this inside perspective, now it, it seems so obvious. Um, you know, and I guess I've just assumed that anyone outside of high school me uh, would know that actors do that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, he, the, the host of this podcast was just, uh, really amazed and so impressed that, that, that that was a thing. Um, and I think that that is, you know, that's the thing about, about any sort of quality of performance and not just performance on stage, but the performance of any variety, like anything that you do, that you are skilled at, that you have trained in, that you have put in hours and hours and hours of of your life to become better at, the point is anyone who witnesses that, who who witnesses what you do, they see that that sort of product, right? They see that performance on stage. They see you know the the uh i don't know the, the wooden birdhouse that you've you know crafted they see um you know the the painting that you've painted uh wh- whatever the thing is the the house that you designed and had built right they see those things what they don't see is those hours and hours and hours and days and months and years that you put in to becoming the best that thing, that occupation, that discipline that you could be. Um, And I think that, I think that that's right. You know, I think that, um, you know, an audience, especially an audience coming to see a play that's not really their concern. Um, some people think that should be sort of totally hidden and, and kept, you know, sacred um, from audiences and, and non-theater people. But, uh, you know, I disagree, but I do think that I hope at least that the work can speak for itself, that the work can be enough and when I say the work, I mean sort of the, the quote, finished piece, um, can be enough to inspire the audience member, you know, um, to motivate them to think critically about something, to think differently at all from the way that they thought before the performance. Um, yeah. I I think that, you know, um, if it requires us to explain, you know, what we did and how we got there, then then maybe we didn't do such a great job. You know, I, I don't know. Some people might disagree with that, and, and that's fine. Um, but I, I hope that the work can speak for itself. And then if people are interested, then, you know, they can gain some access to what the process was like to get there, right? And I am also very happy to open up the process. You know, if I'm if I'm directing something, I'm very happy for people to, you know, be privy to that directing process who are not directly involved. Um, you know, it's kind of like that thing of, um you know i i i want to say it's like a pen and teller thing where you know um they have this magic trick and before they do the magic trick they tell everyone 
how the magic trick works. And so you think it's spoiled, but then they do the magic trick and it's even more amazing. And the fact that they already knew it contributes to how amazing it is that they pulled it off. Um, and and I, I think it can be like that. I think that letting people see sort of the the strings and the skeleton of of theater um can make it really exciting um but at the end of the day most theater doesn't work that way and so you've yeah if you're going to see a piece of theater at the very least what you witness I think should leave some sort of a mark should incite some sort of a question or you know um populate some some range of new thought in your mind that that wasn't there before um yeah uh anyway it's, uh, goodness i'm i'm like I said, deviations and tangents. So, you know, I think that, um, yeah, this this class was so cool. Um, oh, and another thing that I wanted to say about that, um, again, this this sort of pearl from the teacher, uh, I can't remember the exact context of it, but I think we were working on um, those monologues. Um, but my teacher said, uh, she reminded us of, it's sort of one of the great values of live theater is that, you know, whereas a, a movie typically the, the script is written and then the movie is executed and then it's, you know, in the can, it's, you know it's on dvd it's on netflix it's whatever but it's there that that product is the way it is and other than in you know very special circumstances it's not going to be changed and that performance will just sort of be the way that it is you know for all time whereas in live theater you have a script and that script is available for infinite you know numbers of artists to grapple with and produce and execute and share with audiences over and over and over again and you know it has the potential to be well i suppose it it there it's a fact that it will be different every time um even if it's the same people working on it from one performance to the next, that will be different every time. Um, you know, because of what one of the actors ate for breakfast that morning, because of the demographics of the audience uh, at another performance. You know, there, there's all these contributing factors that make it different, that make it, uh, that make every performance unique um, and special. And even if, one actor walks away thinking that their performance was just crap that day. It could have been an amazing experience for another actor, and it could have been an amazing experience for someone in the audience. Um, and it's just such a burbling sort of, you know, brew of of factors um, going into a given performance that it's, just cannot help but be different every single time. And so what what our teacher said, you know, that one day was, the way she phrased it was great. It was, you know, I think uh, she she pointed to one of my classmates and said, I would go and see your Hamlet, and then pointed to another classmate and said, and I would see your Hamlet. And she kept going around the room and saying, I would see your Hamlet and your Hamlet and your Hamlet and your Hamlet. 
because all of your hamlets would be so incredibly different and so incredibly interesting because of what you bring to them, right? So, yeah, Hamlet is an amazing character, just to keep using that example. Amazing character, so incredibly deep. But the experience of the audience is not just the words on the page, it's the words on the page interpreted by that particular actor on that day who ate a certain thing for breakfast, who had a great conversation with their best friend or a terrible fight with their significant other or whatever other thing that's, you know, rolling around in their awareness, in their psyche, whatever, um, that, that has the potential to make live theater so dynamic and exciting. Um, and I think just to sort of deepen this tangent, if it has the potential to be that exciting from such, just from such trivial little factors, then if you see a play and it is boring, then that is really saying something. Um, yeah. And I don't want to get negative and, and go into any of that right now. There, there's plenty of space for that in episodes to come. But yeah, it it's a live thing happening right in front of you with full of uncertainty and doubt and arrogance and confidence. And why shouldn't it be exciting and interesting? And so that's the thing is if it's not, that is really important and useful information to whoever's putting it on. Um, yeah. And I always, you know, um, I, I remember talking to friends and classmates over the years uh, and basically just rehashing the question, like, if you were bad at this, would you want someone to tell you? Um, like if it seemed like you should you should stop doing this, you should stop performing uh, because you're just so bad at this, would you want someone to tell you? Or would you want to just be left alone and just having fun? Because, you know, until if no one's telling you otherwise, it's still fun. Um, what, what would you rather? Um, and at the end of the day, I, I think I would, that would be a hard pill to swallow, but I think I would want to know. Um, yeah. And I say that because I feel that the, to me, at least, the, the purpose of creating theater is, is to be of service to the audience. Um, you know, it's it, creating theater is incredibly rewarding to me. And when it's just me in an empty studio playing around with some text, that is fun, 100%. Um, but I, I don't think I would want to do it if there were never any possibility that someone else might benefit from it that someone else might feel a feeling that they, you know, didn't expect to feel that day, um, whatever the reason. Uh, but, yeah, so if if I'm not good at this, for the sake of the audience, I want to know, even if it, even if it hurts. Um, Which sort of leads me to to a, a little, um, like a proper detour this time. Um, so if I'm not good at acting, that doesn't mean um, that doesn't mean that I can't be involved in theater and that I can't help drive the wheel of theater. Uh, and, and the reason this is a good segue is I was just sort of looking over a page of notes that I made 
um, before starting this podcast when I was sort of kind of conceiving it and thinking, what would I even talk about? You know? Um, yeah. Okay. Theater school. Great. But, but what really? And to me, theater school is, is primarily those, those years spent in an actual educational institution, um, in sort of formal training. But the reality is that training happens in the real world as well, whether you are in school or not. Um, and definitely uh, one of the the biggest, you know, sort of learning experiences I had in terms of, of being an actor um, was... Yeah, working professionally on a tour. It was a, a Shakespeare tour of Romeo and Juliet, and there is a there's a decent amount of good material um, just from this tour. So I won't get deep into it today, but that 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 might come back. I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident in that. But the point is, um, after every performance, pretty much we would have a little Q and A. Uh, session with our our young audience because this was an educational tour um, and uh, you know one of the students asked um, you know the, the very standard simple question what, what advice would you give to someone um, wanting to pursue theater right wanting to pursue it as a career um and so, yeah, so I, I wrote this down when I was just thinking of moments, experiences, teaching moments, uh, all that kind of stuff that, that I'd had over the years, because uh, this one has always stuck with me. But um, one of the other actors, um, the the first thing that came out of his mouth was, love everything about theater. That was his advice to someone interested in pursuing theater as as a career. Um, he said, "If if you fancy yourself an actor, don't just act. You know, learn learn about design. Um, put on your you know uh, your black clothes and work backstage. Right. Um, learn how to run a, a light board. Learn how to you know." Um, pull the rigging, which is like, you know, curtains and ropes and stuff. Um, you know, learn how to write a play, learn about the history of theater. Like it, it basically saying, if you have any interest in working in theater, learn, learn as broadly as you can about it. Uh, which I think is also to say like, learn to appreciate it. Um, so that you always have, something to to connect to right so that you don't just love this one aspect of it and then if that aspect of it isn't treating you well you then you wind up you know feeling sour about theater um and i think that there's there was a lot of wisdom in that and it really stuck with me and i think um in the years since i think i sort of did that and then when I started teaching theater, I really did that. Um, you know, at, at that point when when this actor said that, I had been through four years of of undergraduate actor training, um, and I had picked up a lot of information and I'd had a lot of decent experience, but I'd never sort of valued it uh, to quite that extent that I that I did. Um, after and so as a result i wanted to stay sharper you know to to keep that knowledge in my brain um more present right i, I didn't want to just sort of let that go because i had left school anymore um so yeah that i would say to anyone listening i would definitely echo that um and say like yeah, love everything 
that you can about the theater. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to love all aspects of theater, um, but love it broadly, not just for one, one, you know, aspect of it, one discipline, because that can, that discipline may be incredibly fickle, um, for you, um, and if you truly love the art form, then, you know, know how to do different kinds of things. Um, yeah, and I've had some really great experiences where uh, acting didn't work out in some way. Um, and, well, I, I, I'll just talk in real terms here. Um, I had been out of school for... Um, five, five or six years, I guess. Uh, no, five years, and um, and I moved from New York, um, to Maine, um, because I'd had some really positive experiences in Maine, um, acting at at a regional theater, um, and New York and I were not currently friends at the time and so I felt like yeah and I was working over the summer in Maine and I felt like you know I'm I'm gonna when I get back to New York I'm gonna pack up my things and just move here permanently um and so that you know a couple months later um I was living there and I auditioned for uh, a couple of plays and there were plays being produced by a company that I was friends with. I was friends with a lot of people that ran this company uh, and they were doing two plays in rep, um, which if, if you don't know what in rep means, it means sort of running um, concurrently. So one night you do one play and the next night you do the other play and, and back and forth and so on. Um, and, and I auditioned for them. And they didn't offer me anything in either. And I thought, oh, this is strange. Okay, what is going on here? Um, again, uh, certainly carrying a, a fair bit of arrogance um, that I felt like, oh, I've, I've lived in New York for four years and I trained at blah, blah, blah school and had these experiences and worked in these other places, so surely they would cast me in either or both of these of these plays. And they didn't. And I think I'm so so glad that I yeah, didn't get cast in, in those things because uh it just sort of prompted me to you know, to think, okay, what do I do now? Uh, I'm not doing that. I have a day job at a restaurant that I detest, um, that I need to keep doing. So if I'm not acting while I do that, what am I going to do? Um, so I, uh, you know, I rang up the producer, um, of those plays and said, Hey, um, so, yeah, got the email, said I, I would, uh, better luck next time, basically. Um, but I'd still love to contribute in some way, if I can. Um, and she said, oh, that's great. Uh, how do you feel about props? Uh, because they needed someone to do props for both shows. And I said, oh, um, I was thinking, like, maybe dialects? because one of the shows was set in London. Um, and, you know, maybe stage combat, if you if you need any of that. Um, and she said, okay, great. Uh, yeah, can you do props? And I said, yeah, okay, yes, I, uh, that sounds good. And, yeah, and also you can do dialects and uh, combat. Great. Um, and then so I just, off I ran um, with this you know, new set of responsibilities and it was amazing fun and it was challenging and I learned so much and developed so much, um, 
you know, appreciation for the work of uh, a properties master and a properties artisan, um, which, by the way, if you're new to theater in any way, um, the word props is short for properties. Uh, and that is because a long time ago uh, in England, um, you know, these these props, these sort of just handheld items um, that the actors used in in their plays. I don't know if they had a name that they were called at the time, um, but, you know, the, the producer, the manager, whoever, uh, you know, they belonged to the theater, so someone would write down property of such and such theater, and then they became known as properties and then eventually shortened to props, and that's why we have props. Um, so anyway, I was the props master and props maker, uh, when, when the, uh, the need was there. Um, and it was, yeah, it was incredible fun. Um, it, it helped, you know, drive my sense of purpose. It was, a I was living in Maine and it was January and it was incredibly, uh, yeah, bleak feeling. And I didn't like my my day job um and this was fantastic and uh yeah i i had an amazing time working with the actors um with their various dialects um with small bits of fight choreography um you know so i had that sort of proper interaction with them and then as far as doing props that gave me more interaction with the directors of the plays and then with the other designers. Um, and I learned so much from the other designers because, you know, I sort of had to, um, you know, work with them to make sure that what I was contributing and, and creating um, lined up and was consistent with what they were bringing to the table. Um, so, yeah, I luckily had heard this actor say love everything about theater um just a few years before uh and i had taken it to heart and it it allowed me to be open to this other opportunity um yeah and on that note feels irresponsible not to mention the idea of FOMO, um, especially for actors. Um, so fear of missing out is like so, such a deep, deep thing and can be so kind of poisonous for, you know, an actor, uh, to, to become a victim of, um, because the thing is, especially when typecasting is is prevalent and, you know, people are thinking about uh, aging out of parts and things like that. You know, um, we have this fear of missing out, of like, oh, I've got to play these parts while I'm this age, um, you know, and if I don't, then I'll never get to play them again. Uh, but finally, thankfully... I realized, oh, all the best parts are coming. Like, yeah, these are these are good. I'm not going to play all of them, okay? I'd be kidding myself to think that I could play as many as I would like to play. Um, but the even better, juicier, m- more thoughtful, um, you know, more sort of complex ones are, they're coming, with you know my own maturity and advanced age and 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 that kind of thing so don't worry about it um so yeah if you if you don't get a part that's cool if you decide you know what i don't want to act i want to direct or i want to build props or whatever for a month or two or a season that's not a big deal acting will still be there All right, I'm going to take a little breath and then I'm going to come back to talking about theater school actually in school.
So also on that list of of ideas and thoughts and questions that I was making as I was conceiving this podcast, I also wrote down, um, can you remember every theater class you've ever taken? And so just before I started recording, I thought I would try and write down as many as I could remember. Um, and then when I couldn't remember anymore, then I looked at my my undergraduate transcript and saw, you know, okay, what else is there? Um, but just for anyone who's not gone to theater school or doesn't have much sense of what it's like, um, here's just a, a small, you know, just a rundown of what, um, what kind of classes I took. Um, and bear in mind that, in America, um, even when you are majoring in acting, you are still um, pursuing a, a liberal arts education, which is not limited to the the topic of your major, right? So I know in in like the UK, you can do a bachelor's in acting, and pretty much all your classes are acting or at least theater related. Okay, um, but that's not the case in America unless you go to a conservatory program, um, and, and this was not a conservatory program. Uh, I'll get more into sort of in what ways it was like a conservatory and what ways it wasn't, um, but here's just an idea of it, um, and this is only the the theater related things. Um, this is not the semesters of biology and psychology and math and English and, and all that kind of stuff that I was doing additionally. This is just the, the performing arts side of things, we'll say. Okay, so um, in my first semester, I took acting one. That was my only, only, um, you know, theater course. And luckily, the person who helped me sign up for classes knew that I needed to take that. But I didn't know anything else. I didn't even know that there were auditions for plays that semester. And so I missed those. I only heard about them from my friend uh, a few days later. Like, why weren't you at auditions? Oh, I, I didn't know. Okay, well, that's cool. Um, and then my second semester, I did audition, but I didn't get in. So I didn't do a play my whole first year. Um. Okay, so then in the second semester, when I started to get a little more in touch with things and learn, oh, I need to take this course and this course and this course, then I took play script analysis and I took stagecrafts one, which is basically scenery and lighting. Um, and then I also took um, acting two, which was like uh, movement and Alexander technique. And I also took acting three, which was is more a scene study and is based in the Meisner technique. And all of this I'll talk more about later. So if I'm using words that don't mean anything uh, or not relevant to your experience, no worries. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I think I think that might have been all for the second semester. And then now I'll stop breaking it up by semesters. I'll just tell you the rest. Um, uh, then there were all the practicums, which um, in I had to take four performance practicums, which means I had to be in four plays, right? So out of eight semesters, I had to be performing in at least half of them. And then I also had to do four non-performance practicums. So uh, that could be, you know, building costumes, that could be building sets, that could be hanging lights. Um, so basically... Two hours every week you show up to your place. Uh, was it two? Maybe four. Maybe four hours every week. I can't remember. Um, yeah, you show up to whatever that place. It could be the publicity office. You know, there are different options. Um, but for me, it was usually scene shop. So I'd go to the scene shop. Um, yeah, I think it was four hours a week. And for four hours a week, I would help build sets for the plays. Um, and it was so fun. And... and uh, developed a love of building things out of wood 
that I don't know that I would have developed had I not done that. So good on them. Um, yeah. And then I, of course, you know, I did, um, four plays as well during my time there. Um, yeah. So then, um, after that, there's another acting class. that was scene study that was, um, mostly like kind of early realism. Um, then, then for the, you know, for two years in a row, all year long, uh, we would do, um, dynamics and acting movement and dynamics and acting, uh, voice. Um, and then there's another acting class called period styles where you do a lot of like mm, British things like, uh, Shaw and wild. Um, and then maybe you get into some, um, restoration comedy also some stuff going on in france at the same time like uh, moliere um comedies of manners poking fun at the bourgeoisie all that good stuff um and then oh of course then there's some of the more academic uh you know uh, classes less performance based so there's theater history uh, and at the time that I went, that was broken up into three semesters. Now it's usually two in most places. But so I took theater history one, theater history two, and theater history three. And then I took playwriting. And then I took an English class called Shakespeare's Later Plays. And then I took directing one. And then I took lighting design. And I took auditions. And I took stage combat. And then I took a couple of dance classes. One was contact improvisation. And another was social dance. Uh, and then I took uh, acting Shakespeare. And then I took a dialects class. And then one other thing that stands out to me that I remember, it's not a class, but one of the very cool things that my my theater department did, and I I hope that this is not rare, I hope that this is happening in lots of theater departments, but um, every Monday after all the sort of daytime classes were done at 4 o'clock, the entire department would congregate into one of our theater spaces um, and we would watch scenes that had been, um, you know, selected and directed and acted um, all by students with with no faculty input. It was just students creating for their own sake, for themselves, to share with friends to work on their craft, whether they were cast in a school play or not, um, you know, to to just sort of constantly keep moving forward, to experiment with material that we weren't getting exposed to in class, possibly. Um, yeah, so, so many things. And it, it, this was just called workshop, you know. Are you going to workshop? Yeah, I'll see you at workshop. Um, and it was great fun, and, and I participated in that as much as I could. Um, yeah, so that, in addition to classes, in addition to all the general education classes and everything. Um, so much more to say, but I think that's where I'll leave it for now. Um, I hope this has been interesting, has been sort of eye-opening in terms of you know, the, the scope of experience of going to theater school. Um, yeah. If you have questions, if you have thoughts, like I said, it's theaterschoolpod at gmail.com. Um, I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, I hope to hear from you and I hope you come back for episode three. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.